you, Felosial, had dove into this well, uh, or this pit, on this uh, island, and you grabbed the shimmering sword right at the same moment as Mossy Woodman, Woody Woody Mossman, <laughs> who, <laughs> in that moment, as you were falling through this abyss, you looked over and saw that it was not, in fact, Woody Mossman, but instead was very clearly a slightly aged version of your father. And he transformed as you, uh, just as you transformed when you went through the magic uh, barrier on the on this pit, he transformed from his wooden man into his true form. And as you plummeted down through uh, this darkness, without realizing, you seem to have cut a hole that you've fallen through and the two of you fall for just a short amount of time and then the sword is just buried in this like almost peat moss type material um and both of you have a hand on it and uh kind of work quickly as as you're both sort of stunned by this turn of events you like stand up and you're like both holding it with a hand on the hilt and i think that uh i said that francis let's go right yeah and so that was the scene. You're standing there, Felosio, holding this sword in this strange purple-tinted wilderness uh, with these, like, big, clumpy uh, mosses nearby. And you're, you have, like, some, like, purple goo from the cut moss on your hand. Um, and Francis has, like, one pink and purple arm from being down on the ground with yours. Um, but he lets go, and he sort of, like, steps back and stares at you. And the two of you are standing there. So what do you do? I think I had looked at the sword and then at him and then back at the sword and that's where we left it. That's right. Um, Are you pretty stunned or do you have something to say? Yeah, I think I, after looking at my hand again, I think I kind of angle the sword towards him, not completely threateningly, but a little. And just, and I'll say... Who, who are you? Um, I think how, how many how many years have I ha, has Francis been doing this? Like a hundred years? So it's unclear. Yeah, a long time. Um, in in your mind, Francis is unclear. Okay, that's fine. Um, Felocio, you have not seen your father in about two hundred right. years. Yeah. Um, I think that having just been transformed from woody mossman into francis there's clearly like this is the object of uh my pursuit for a very long time so i think francis looks at you and says you don't understand please please i need that sword what why why is it so special you don't understand you don't understand. That sword can only be used by someone with my blood. I have to have it in order to, de- to defeat Burial. You you don't know who I am. Yeah, what wait, what happened to what happened to Keldon? Did you see him? Um I saw an image of him in that chamber, but you don't know who I am. <laughs> who are you? Um, do you know who you are? Is there, is there any, is that like vaguely 
causing any sort of uh, reaction, Jordan? Or is that going to... So I'm going to let you make some choices on that. So I would say that... Uh, and Keegan doesn't need to know all of the details. Here, sure. Do you want me to take my headphones off? Of, no, that's uh, we can work. No, we can work it out with some. Yeah, just I was gonna some, say. I think that based on some, like the one thing in there where you have lost some stuff. Sure. Sure. I don't think that you've lost every single moment. I think that you've lost like the most important ones. Yeah. So you have a vague idea, I would say, of who this is, um, but it's been so long, and I would look yeah, a lot different. I think. Yeah. So uh, yeah, and I th- but I think you do have a pretty clear idea of who you are. Okay. To be to okay, be that was yeah. more so what I was asking. Um, yeah, yeah, because I think are elves supposed to age about the same as adult or as humans until they become adults? I'd say so. Yeah, in our world, we're gonna go with that <laughs> rather than having like a, a whole prequel show that we make now with baby <laughs> Felocio yeah. where she's 140 and still a baby. Yeah, I... <laughs> <laughs> she's traveling with Flint the Mandalorian. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I I think I was like 13, so I feel like I would look yeah, similar, wouldn't be but unrecognizable. it would be weird. Okay, so yeah. what was, remind me the last thing you asked, you said, do you, do, who, do you know who you are? Um, or like, who are you? Yeah. Um, I My name is Francis Fleetfoot. I came here searching for that sword. Wait, who are you? You don't recognize me because you look, you look almost the same. Uh, I think that there's a, like, pause, like, like, uh, okay, I should definitely know this person. And I'm just kind of looking at you. Um, I think I pull out the letter from my pocket that he had written. Well, I think he's the one who wrote it from that treehouse whenever I was really little. I just kind of keep it with me. And it's super tattered, and almost when you unfold it, it almost falls apart now. But it's the letter that says that I should go on an adventure, and I hold it out to him. So you hold it out to me. Do I'm going to reach out and take it. Yeah. Um, and I'm looking at it, and I say... I wrote this. Where did you find it? My father left it for me, I think, in my treehouse. A treehouse. I left it. I I didn't know if he's the one who left it, but I think he's you. I definitely... This is my handwriting, and I... I've been here for so long, but I have a vague memory of leaving this letter for an important reason. But you're supposed to be dead. We, I didn't, I didn't think it was true, but we had to move on and you're dead and you look the same almost. And it doesn't make sense. So what are, what are you saying? How... You know me, and I've been gone for how long? 200 years, about. Is that shocking to an elf, or is that just like a drop in the bucket? Um, I think that to Francis, that might feel a bit shocking, because he had a hard time keeping track of time right. on the island. Um, yeah, it's, so time sort of stood still for him the last 200 years, so to know that he has aged 200 years 
in a blink of an eye to him sure. is probably a little disturbing. Okay, so so you say two hundred years, and I think that that's like a very eye like eye opening, not like jaw dropping, because like this is kind of like a you know like a strong fighter dude who came here to confront you know something, but um, that's like pretty shocking. I think as you're standing there, I'll just say I'm Felosial. I'm Felosial Fleetfoot, your daughter. That's probably like I think probably gasp inducing because um i I, okay so what would i say um it's it's all it's all so blurry to me i uh i i can't believe i've been gone that long i i can i can almost vaguely remember you but it's all so it's all such a blur to me now I, i anything before before playing Keldon's game and becoming a wooden mannequin it's 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 just a blur it's i, I it's it's right within my grasp but I, I can't quite reach any of the memories so you don't remember me and you don't remember leaving and not coming back i i, I don't i remember just 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 blurred images deep in my brain but every time for as long as I can remember every time I played Keldon's game I lost memory after memory well I remember you don't you don't sound happy how could I be happy when you disappeared when I was so little and now it turns out that you actually are alive and I believe that you were alive but everyone said you were gone and now you're here but you don't even remember and you were playing a game why did you even start playing it in the first place I I can see that you're hurt and I, I, I my gosh I had no intention of hurting anyone when I left but but you don't understand after my first campaign against Burial I met a witch. She foretold my future. She told me the legend of the blade and that only one with my blood could wield it. And I... I, It's coming back. I knew that I couldn't let anyone in my bloodline bear the burden. The witch, she told me. The legend goes, using the blade, you will turn enemy to friend in your greatest moment of need. Only then... Will there be an opportunity to send evil back from whence it came? Use the blade to cut a rift, drag evil into the void with you, and never let it return. The blade can only open a path between worlds using powerful dark magic. The price is high, but the power it grants is even greater. And I couldn't let anyone bear that burden but me. But you didn't get it. But now you have it, so why don't you take it? If you need this blade, just take it, because I don't need it. And I I don't know if I need you. And she hands it out to you. I think that there is, you know, like an initial, like, he reaches for it, but then it's like a pause, and he says, but wait, if you are who you say you are, gosh, there's something deep in me that believes it. What brought you here? 
Let's see. What does bring us here? It's a real question. What's yeah, seriously. What, yeah, what's your fucking motivation? <laughs> what's, what's, yeah, a good moment to remind our listeners of the story. Yeah, three hours later after talking about, you know, betting all your money on a race that you won in some fucking town no one remembers. Uh, Flint man. found a can, of spy, a can that sounds like it has spiders in it. <laughs> a really nerdy guy flew me here. Well... I guess Beriel has brought me here because he is back and somehow I've been wrapped up with a group of random people and for some reason we all seem to be the ones called to the weapons from that first war and after chasing them down this is the one that remained and by chance we found it here and I am supposed to be cutting a rift to send Zargon back to where he came from. Does uh, does the name Zargon ring a bell? Um, I was going to say, I don't know that Francis would have had the deeper insights into the uh, situation with Biriel. He probably just thinks it's Biriel, the, the necromancer. True, true. Okay. Um, I think that Upon you mentioning, like, oh, I was, you know, I'm supposed to do this. I think there's just this sense of failure that comes over his face. And he's just shaking his head and grabs it and says, no, no, this is exactly what I tried to prevent. Well, you didn't prevent it. And now me and my friends are supposed to be doing something that we don't even know completely what we're doing. But we all have weapons and... This was supposed to be the last one, and now I don't even know where they are. I don't know where we are. And they're the only people that I know. I don't know you. Wait, you you have all the weapons? Not on me. But yes, we found them all. But you and your friends, you said that you found all the weapons? We found the hammer, and we found the staff, and we found the scepter, and then... This yes, sword was yes, supposed to be the, the last one. I've seen these weapons. I've seen them blade burial to rest. But you don't understand. They corrupt the wielders in ways that you that will torment you. You don't understand. Keldon is the one that wielded the sword in our fight against Burial. And he was so corrupted, he became the thing that we fought earlier. He was so corrupted... He fled to this strange island. I searched after it for years. And he put all of this magic in place to prevent anyone from taking the power from him. Can can you real both both of you real quick give me a perception check? Uh fourteen. Twenty-five. Uh I think that's good enough for both of you to notice that as you've been talking, um you haven't really seen a lot of movement around you, but you are now noticing a lot of uh, what appear to be purple fireflies are coming out and uh, kind of filling up the um, the forest around you. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. Kind of tranquil. Or else they're going to catch us on fire. Yeah, literal um, fire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're actually regular flies carrying little purple torches. <laughs> little lanterns. <laughs> right. They're a whole species of sentient beings. Um, okay, wait, so you said... 
I, uh, I just told you about how, like, okay, it's amazing that you have the weapons, but they, like, corrupt the shit out of the users. Yeah. So, you've been here forever, and you don't remember me, so would that mean you're corrupted, too? No, you don't understand. I've been trying to get to the weapon this entire time. So what are you going to do with it now that you have it? How does it work? I don't know. Is it supposed I, to do something? It looks like it stabs people, and they said cut a rift. But how does that work? I, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't remember. The witch never told me anything specific about the blade, other than that it could only be wielded by one with my blood. So me. I. I, I mean, because yes. wouldn't she have said that it was you if it was supposed to be you? Well, I. I didn't really think. It didn't matter. I just I just knew that I didn't want this burden to fall on anyone else, especially after what happened to Keldon. All I know is we need to figure out how to get out of here so I can get back to my friends. And maybe you'll come with me. But we need to figure out how this works and move on. Right. 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 <sighs> We need to figure out where we are, and we need to... Where are we? Do you recognize this place? No. As you say that... But... Uh, <laughs> the, no, the silence is broken, and you hear a voice suddenly speaking in common from somewhere in the clearing, and it says, Hello, strangers! You have arrived in the kingdom of Licky Splicky! I will take you to our king. He bids you welcome. Is this another one of your friends? Philosial, this... I, I, I've never seen this man. Is it a man? Is it... What is it? Uh, give, me a, <laughs> give me a perception check. Let's see if when you both look around what you see. A 10. A 26. Ooh, 19, 19. Uh Francis, you kind of take a look around and you don't really see where exactly the source of the sound is. Um, Felosial, you look around and you see, now standing, like, surprisingly close to you is, like, this weird, very derpy-looking, uh, moss creature. And it holds, like, a, a walking stick. It almost looks like it's, uh, like a puppet. Like, like it kind of moves like a puppet. Right. How tall is it? Uh, it's, like, three and a half feet tall. I, I think Francis looks around and says, I, I don't even hear where that voice came from. Oh my gosh. Just like... I am Sporklepuss of the kingdom of Licky Splicky, and I am here to take you to the king. Just look down. Look down. Oh, hello, hello there. What, what did you say your name was? Sporklepuss. I can't, I can't deal with this right now. Come with me, and I will show you which way to go. Okay, how does this sword work? Do you think it just cuts stuff? I don't, I don't know. I, where would you even take us, Sparkle Parse? I will take you to meet the king of the kingdom of Licky Splicky. Uh, God. Okay, lead on. Uh, okay. Excellent. Follow me. And he starts to. Uh, the way he moves is very strange. It's almost like the moss, like this whole ground is just covered in this purple moss. And rather than him moving, 
It's almost like he is like a weird lump in the moss and it just kind of goes like, like a conveyor belt. Yeah, kind of like he doesn't really animate so much as like it almost oh, looks like. So like if he's walking, it's like <laughs> yeah, exactly. it's like his feet yeah. don't match up with like yeah, the, no, length the pattern of, of his path like, that movements. he's covered. Like you can see like he's moving, but really he doesn't maybe need to or like, right. you know, the organism that is him is like way bigger. Right. Um, yeah, so, yeah, but he kind of, like, slides across this mossy carpet. You said um, you're taking us to a king? Yes! So what's he, what, what are we gonna do there? Do you know who we are? Do you know, where, where is Licky Splicky located? Is that in Finrodel? We're in the Gabubblegum Swamp! Oh, God. Uh, sir, it, is your king a kind king? He is a very generous king! He will bid you welcome, strangers. I, I think I'll lean to Felosiel and say, uh, listen, we can, we're going to have to settle this business about the sword, but this could at least buy us some time and figure out where we are. I guess it's a place to start, but if you don't have any idea how this sword works, it might be, or it looks like we might be stuck in Licky Slicky. With King Sporkle, puss. Was, uh, can I ask... I am not a king, I am just a, a <laughs> noble knight of the realm. Sorry, knight Sporklepuss. Were you listening? Can because I... that's rude. Sir Sporklepuss. <laughs> can I ask, uh, did Felosiel ever have, like, any, like... Was her relationship with Francis, like, jokey at all? Like, did they have, like, you know, like, uh, you know, any sort of, like, inside jokes? Or was it all very serious and... Um, I think they would have been joking around, yeah, especially toward the end. Yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> towards the end. And then, I, then I'll, I'll <laughs> well, because she just wasn't like old enough, you know, to right. get yeah. jokes and but stuff. But we did fun then. things like we built tree houses, right? Uh, then I'll, I think I'll lean in and sort of like that. Whatever Francis would look like when he was like joking with Felosiel or like playing, he'd lean in and say. Well, let's just hope we figure this out before we stay here too long. She looks at you, not jokingly, and says, Yeah. <laughs> Cold. Cold. So, Flint, you left the party made your way to the pool of knowledge, stole the Gaia hammer, took it with you, and made your way back to the airship where you uh, had already paid basically for free passage basically to wherever you want with the inventor. Yeah, so um, I, I guess in a in a rare moment for Flint, he wasn't thinking how to get the best price for this. What he only assumed was a fairly priceless... Yeah, a fairly priceless, like item it's not every day you run across at like uh, lich ashes um it's true so he was just pretty dejected from the idea that uh they have basically failed Felosiel's dead uh dresden can't seem to give a human emotion as to like why that's a bad thing mace is kind of in shock and uh piper was just super sad so he was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm out. We lost. I give up. Uh, bye. 
So he, you know, went and drank. They ended he up left in, everyone behind. Oh yeah, we weren't supposed to go to Green Hall. He woke up, hang like hung over in Green oh, Hall. Yeah, that's was right. like they kind of you, like Shanghai him. Yeah, a little bit. and and Flint was like, "Fuck this." Uh, Dresden and Mace Corps were about to like get up and fight me, so I like. <laughs> Yeah, you're like invisible. Yeah, clapped invisible. I think got like a nat 20 on my stealth to get the fuck out of there. Uh, Went and stole the hammer, snuck back, took one look around, and uh, told the inventor, we're getting the hell out of here with nobody else. And I think the last... And I believe you showed showed the inventor the map, The last thing I said whenever we were taken off was like, hey, take me here. Uh and showed him the map that I pickpocketed off of somebody in the horn. Yeah, the purple whale. Um, and for those listening, a quick basic description of the map that's, that Flint pickpocketed. It was an old and tattered map that at one point was a map of Snailhaven and the Westerland Territories. Uh, so it shows the town of Snailhaven and the coast and... Uh, this is all the way in the west of Finradel, which is what the inventor would know um, as someone who's fairly learned and from Finradel. What the map shows, though, is it has hand drawings and etchings that show uh, a town next to Snailhaven in a forest that uh, wouldn't normally be on a map, um, which is something that I, I think Flint sort of picked up on. And more importantly... It shows, uh, or it has handwritten thieves can't messages on it, which Flint understands as a rogue. And maybe we can start out with, um, I think that what happens on this flight is you've got some time, and by the light of a lamp down in Flint's cabin, I think Flint is now studying this map. Yeah, so I, I assume that I've already told the inventor, like, go here, and he's like, yeah, I know where Snail Haven is, I'll take you there, kind of thing. Yeah, he has his settings, so he knows where he's headed. Okay. Um. So, so why don't you take a look at the map and maybe translate some of this stuff and just kind of tell me what Flint is thinking about this place that he's trying to go. Yeah, okay, so clearly there's a place that's like, at least a sizable town called Snailhaven. That's pretty clear. Um, but the more interesting part is the path leading out of town. I don't know how far, but uh, right near the town, there's a couple of uh, thieves can't signs. Uh, one that says there are thieves about uh, or translates to there are thieves about. Um, the other one kind of looks like it says be ready to defend yourself and i don't know what that bottom one is like the curly part so like, so we'll come back to that one okay um yeah so go, let's move on to some of the other no, i can't ones, decipher that one. that last one um yeah. leading into sort of a forest with kind of hard to see houses and a large structure uh is A sign that says, go this way and keep quiet. Makes sense. Uh, So there's thieves about, go this way, keep quiet. Up above the town, uh, there's a big sign that uh, translates to, this is not a safe place. So that's something to keep in mind. And uh, 
good road to follow. Okay, that could mean a number of things. Uh, at the center in that big structure, there's also another sign that says a judge lives here, which I don't think makes a ton of sense to Flint. Uh, so with right all, having translated all of those symbols, I would love for Flint to make a history check and an insight check, please. Sure. Okay, that's a 13 for history. Nice. Okay. With a zero modifier, he is yeah. not a historian. And an 18 for insight. That's pretty good. <laughs> nice. Not bad. Um, so let's start with the insight. Um, so Flint... I think with his like roguish background and as a thief himself, he feels like particularly the symbols that say this is not a safe place and that it is uh, simultaneously a good road to follow. That is a pair of symbols that you would be familiar with. Mm. And thieves and rogues alike use that often when they have a hideout somewhere. Uh, because it basically means like-minded individuals will be fine. Other folks who travel through here are probably not as fine. Right. Um, and so you feel like that, the, the main symbol at the top of the map, it sort of tells you like, this is a thieves encampment of some sort. Um, and the other thing that I think you sort of ascertain is the bottom of the map where it says there are thieves about, obviously, um, you know, it sort of confirms your suspicion. Then, the symbols that you see to the right of that that you had trouble translating uh, with your history check, you know of a, an organization that is incredibly exclusive and Flint throughout, I think, throughout his thieving career and his roguish career, even when he was with the troupe of, um, you know, kind of traveling performers right. and con artists, he would hear legends of this organization uh, called Deuces Wild. Okay. And they were primarily a gambling-based, you know, like, uh, sort of rogue organization. So, like, um, uh, cheats and... Or that was... Cheats and scoundrels. Scoundrels and... Uh, but grander... But, like, profe yeah, professional yeah. Um, hustlers, essentially. And what was it called? Wild... Uh... Deuces Wild. Okay. Uh, and, and you realize that because the symbol that you see there is a spade on top of a club. Right, okay. Uh, which would have looked more like that if the artist had a steadier <laughs> hand. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, yeah, and so, so Thieves About, Deuces Wild, that all adds up. You're thinking you may have found a map to the legendary hideout of the Deuces Wild. Yeah, sure. Um, and so... And you kind of, like, picked this up when you first scoured the map, but you weren't really, like, willing to convince yourself that that's what you had found. But now that you're on your way there, you're really trying to figure this out. I think that's pretty much the conclusion you draw. Beautiful. Um, and then and then the last piece that you uh, translated there, or the last two, go this way and keep quiet. That is in a fairly specific location on the map, but I think your insight tells you that's probably a place you need to try to go to and check it out. But you need to be stealthy. Sure. Um, and then, uh, yeah. And then a judge lives here. Like you said, super confusing. Yeah. You don't know what that means. Yeah. I don't really want to be in front of too many judges, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, and so that's sort of what you ascertain at this moment. 
Um, and so, yeah, the, the, the landmarks that are normally on this map create a fairly uh, obvious path for you from Snail Haven. Um, and so the inventor is flying you in that direction. Is there anything else that you want to do on the airship before you arrive? I, I don't think so. I think I would have spent uh, my time. How long of a trip did the inventor say it was going to be? I think it's going to be about a day's flight. Yeah, so with a day, I sort of went through the same routine of just like trying to snag some sort of alcohol out of the galley, uh, going to my room, sitting on a dim lamp, trying to make sure I know what the hell I think is going on uh, in this area that we're going, uh, and just not feeling great, feeling kind of depressed, but... uh, yeah, not not to the point where obviously Flint doesn't have the mentality of depression. To uh, he's he's sad that he left everyone, but he's just like fuck this. Like I'm too. Like this is this is so messed up. So I'm, so he's kind of feeling like regret, but not enough to turn around. No, it's not enough to turn around at all. But more so, just like just yeah, just like complete despair related mm-hmm. to the situation that was going on with uh trying to get the weapons and trying to stop burial like that's seems like such a f- like a foregone conclusion of yeah we've already lost so i'm running away but i don't feel great about it one other thing that i kind of want to flesh out a little bit is the hammer yeah so you have this yeah you have so this hammer. yeah so obviously that's a, i'm glad you reminded me i do want to just like because this Flint, after Call College, who's had this personality change, hasn't held the hammer, doesn't know what's up. Not with in a that. long time, anyways. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, so like it's it's just like, what the hell is so special about this? Obviously, it's like gold, isn't it? Yeah. So it is a. Um, so interestingly, uh, based on your previous flashbacks, which you may not remember because they were a long time ago, right. Um, it was at one point, this mighty war hammer with a uh, kind of like a flat side and a spiked side right. and was used in battle by the King, um, of the dwarven army back in the first war with Biriel. Um, God, I can't remember the name of that King, but, uh, yeah, he was, he was pretty clearly like a ruler of some sort. And so he used this, this massive war hammer and, through your visions, you sort of saw it fade into more of a pickaxe, like more of a mining tool, right. almost as if the hammer itself sort of rose and shrank with the need at, at hand. Right. And and then you you watched these visions over time. Um, went back when you were in the mountain, um, uh, Gold Hill City. Right. You saw visions of this king kind of being driven mad by his greed and wanting to dig deeper and find more treasure and hoarding treasure was sort of what his mentality became. And so he had this, at that point, it was basically down to the size of like a little rock hammer on his belt. Right. Um, and so it's almost as if, uh, uh, well, maybe actually, can you roll an insight check for that for Flint? I just want to see like, cause we never really talked about how you translated those. I got a 20. Oh yeah. Not, not natural a natural, 20. but awesome. it's a 20. Um, yeah, so I think I think that having time to reflect on everything, Flint is feeling like the allegory uh, of this hammer is fairly clear to him that 
in moment uh, in its moments of need and when it's being used nobly it can become this great powerful weapon um whereas if the user or the holder of this this device is not true in their uh intentions it kind of like shrinks away from responsibility uh, or possibly just like fades in its power, if that makes sense. Sure, I think I think with that realization, you know, Flint's like looking at this uh, this map and scouring it and drinking, and at some point he'll like realize, oh yeah, I've got this like pickaxe and pick it up and just kind of like look at it in the light of a lamp and then kind of like like just feel the head of it just to like like I don't know get a get a feel for the the tool itself and uh yeah just so yeah yeah so i would say that he feels like this this device was made uh and this is just like sort of dwarven instinct he knows that this thing was made a long time ago right and it was made really well and it definitely has some sort of indescribable qualities uh magical properties that you can't really discern as a rogue but you just it's like super balanced and you feel like if you used it as a pickaxe right now it would be the best damn pickaxe you've ever used right but also uh you, you kind of yeah you're wary i'd say you're wary of it okay um especially with that 20 insight because you're a little wary of the path that was trod by the king previous um who like essentially when you found the hammer that's that was the person that had it before you was this king that was driven mad and, and sort of hoarded his gold to the point that he literally drowned himself because he couldn't swim. Uh, and he sank his boat because it was so full of treasure down in this cave. So it's, you're, you're cautious. You're feeling very cautious. Right. All right. I do want to say one thing. Mm -hmm. My roguish archetype at level 13, since I'm a thief allows me, uh, use magic device by by 13th level you have learned enough about the workings of magic that you can improvise the use of items even when they are not intended for you you ignore all class race and level requirements on the use of magic items i don't know if that gives me any more insight into it or um so uh roll me let's do one more insight check do it with advantage though because of that a 19. That's no better than the first one. <laughs> no, it's good, though. Um, so here's here's what I would say. I think in this moment, given where Flint is mentally, he is fighting this feeling, but he feels like when he is examining this hammer, there is something predestined about him being the one to have it. Mm. And it's almost like it is attuned to him. Right even though it's not really his and he hasn't held it in months. Right. Um, so I think that, but I don't think he wants to feel that right now. Yeah, not at all. Because even, I think that even in the feeling that like, oh, this is like yours. It's like, it doesn't matter if it's mine because I can't use it successfully because we don't have the fucking sword. Like that's, that's yeah. sort of the mentality. So I think that with that, I'd, probably just want to like shove it deep down in my backpack and gotcha. not even Perfect. like deal with it like this is I love it. like something that i don't even want to think about the yeah so that you, you kind of shove the pick back down into your back uh backpack 
along with all of your other equipment and um you're flying and i think that flint does get a, a restless night's sleep this night but he does recover sure. uh, you know all of his hit points and everything um so you do get the benefits of a long rest so the inventor flies through the night it's there's not really any incidents and in the morning he pounds on your door because you had a few too many and you're sleeping in a little bit and you were upset so you were staying up late with your stress and anxiety and uh yeah so he he wakes you up and you hear just a, a rapping on the door um what do you do uh i think uh probably put my hands up to my face and like oh what uh uh excuse me we've we've reached your destination uh so i didn't really know what your plan is but i've i've brought her down right on the outskirts of the town i assume that you were headed for snail haven yeah right yes yeah, snail haven um yeah right just give just give me a minute all right and he just like heads back up upstairs sure uh i'm gonna roll out of bed uh, get all of my belongings together that I would go adventuring with and yeah, just kind of go upstairs and, and get a lay of where we are, see what the Perfect. inventor has to say. And yeah. Hi everyone. It's Keegan, your Felosial here with your mineral announcements. In the spirit of Thanksgiving, I just want to say how thankful I am for those of you who are on our Patreon. Over at patreon.com slash thisishowweroll, you can get hours of extra content, including a side campaign, maps, and more. And I'm so thankful for our patrons, Junior, Johanna, and Mario. Your support of our show means so much. So thank you. Another great way to support our show is by leaving a rating or a review wherever you're listening. Especially on Apple Podcasts, go on over and leave us a quick rating and take a moment to write a few words about our show for others to read. It helps our audience grow. Another way to help our audience grow is by word of mouth. You telling friends or family members about our show helps more people find it. It's a great way to promote our show. And we thank those of you who do that. I hope you enjoyed the first episode of this arc. And there should be many more to come as the chaos continues. But for now, let's get back to this episode. At this point in our story, we're going to kind of expedite some of the travel sequences. So rather than pick it up with you flying on the back of an eagle, um... We could just zoom right ahead and say that you have just landed at the hearth. It's a pretty long flight, yeah. Um, it's definitely not just your, like, commuter jet from Boston to D.C. Uh, Concord jet. Uh, yeah, and, and, uh, you're, you're with one of Lanira's children, um, Kaldrim, who flies you right to the gates of the hearth and lands you right in front of the main gate, which you know well from your last trip to the hearth. And you can see that the gate is open, unlike the first time that you approached the town, and there are some guards positioned on either side of it, but it looks like folks are sort of coming and going more freely than you ever saw when you were there before. 
and Keldrim sort of gives you a little salute and bids you well and takes off heading back toward Green Hall, sort of assuming that you know the time and date of the meetup for this intercontinental army, and if you're successful, you'll meet them there. Um, and you may remember from last time, everyone's planning to meet at Vulcan Point in 25 days' time. Mm-hmm. And so you now have basically 20, 24 and a half days to figure out what you can contribute to this effort and get yourself to the north of Finradel. It's a tall order. Yeah, no big deal. Yeah. No biggie. Vulcan Point. What a, what a name. So that's the scene. What do you want to do? Um, and we're just outside the gates, right? Yeah. Um, can what's the what's the scene outside the gates? Are there merchants? Are there guards? Um, there are some merchants, just like the last time. There are some stalls outside. Um, can you make me a history check, please? Oh, I'm not good at those. We're gonna start rolling early today. Thirteen. Uh, you remember the location where you first saw Grammy? I think Grammy was out there, right? Uh-huh. Um, and her stall is noticeably empty. Um, but several of the others are back up and running. Her stall was noticeably empty. Yeah, and most of the others that you saw there are still up and running. But Grammy's stall at the end, the Isirian stall, is no longer operating. Oh, sad. Um, oh, uh, I'm just by myself, right? Yes. Okay. Um, Mazecore looks at the stall, um, and a tear starts to dwell in his eye. Um, I'm going to go over to the stall. Okay. Uh, you walk over to the empty stall, and... You can see that it's kind of dusty. It looks like over the last couple of weeks, there's been at least a few kickups of the wind. And definitely in the middle of your departure, there was a massive sandstorm happening. So it almost looks like the stall hasn't been touched since then. Um, I try and dust off a little bit of the stall and make it nice looking again. Okay. Uh, make a sleight of hand check. 11. Uh, yeah, you, I mean, it's sand. You you dust a good bit of it off. It's sort of like old wood that it was built out of with some cloth uh, sort of draped over the top to create a canopy for this the high heat of the day. And a couple of the other merchants sort of look at you out of the side of their eyes, but they don't want to look too directly at you. Um, give me a uh, give me an insight check. Seventeen. Finally, you get a feeling that the people recognize you and that there may be just you can't really tell whether it's like respect or fear or uh, maybe um, they understand that this was like your family that ran this this stall. So, you know, the people of this town, it's a fairly small town. They would know the history of that stall. Um, and so they don't want to like interfere while you're having your moment. Um, and so they kind of just go about their business quietly while you have this moment. And as you're doing that, and it's sort of a quiet moment for you, you stand there over this counter after you dust it off and you hear a booming voice coming from behind you. And it says, Mace Korai Syrian, as I live and breathe. I see you've returned back to your ancestral home. 
Where have you been for the last few weeks? And you turn around and you see Fartros. Fartros Slimesy is his full name. And he is walking toward you from near the gate. With his arms outstretched. Fartros, oh my god, I thought I would never see you again. I wasn't sure if I'd see you again either, my boy. Uh, and then I go in and give him a hug. Bring it in, yes. And he gives you a big old hug, and he sort of grabs onto the silk that you're wearing as you do that, and he says, oh, these, these, these clothes have certainly seen better days now, haven't they? Yeah, I, I, they need a little bit of a scrub. I, I, the things I've done in the last couple of weeks, you would be shocked. Hmm, yes, they don't look to be brand new. You have to really take better care of your fine silks, Macecore. I know... You you may not know that, but as a silk dealer myself, trust me. Well, I, I certainly will. Hey, uh, I have so many questions. Is everything, you know, I'm glad you're okay. Is everything okay here? When I left, uh, things were not looking great. Oh, well, yes, you missed the tail end of the dust-up, as people are calling it here. And it was, it was the craziest thing. It all kicked off after the tournament, as you know, and I am truly sorry for your loss. Grammy's Grammy's spirit can be felt still in the hearth, and we honor her memory by leaving this stall as a memorial to her. But yes, everything everything has pretty much gotten back to normal, better than normal, really. Well, who's in? I mean, is everyone okay after the dust up? I mean, there was some. Zombies. Oh, yes. Well, there were some some casualties, but as you as you departed, it seemed as if whatever evils had infested this town just departed with you. So I don't really uh, here, come come with me, Macecore. Let's let's get you inside. Okay. And as he walks you through the gate, um the guards give him a little nod. And he nods back, and he sort of leans in closer to you and, and says, You know, folks around here actually have a good a bit of superstition about you and your friends. Uh, you, you may have won the royal tournament, but which normally that would make you a celebrity for a lifetime in this town, but because all of that evil seemed to follow you when you left, they, they worry about you. They, they they may be scared. I saw some looks out there, but don't let that bother you. I know that it's not your fault that that happened. It's just pure coincidence, I have to think. Um, well, there's more to it, but it's not following me. So, uh, Well, it's good to know. I, I, I would have welcomed you either way. Well, I, I know. You're, you're like the father I've, I've always missed, Fartros. And he, uh, he doesn't say anything to that, but... He, like, turns his head away from you for a few seconds, and then you hear him sniff a little bit. <laughs> Fucking bitch. <laughs> um, uh, no, no, he, he looks back at you and he, sa- he says, Thank you, my boy, that means a lot to me. Well, I knew you were close to my dad, so... Um, but anyway, um, can I... Your dad could not be more proud of you in this moment, and for him to see your family ascend the throne it just would have done him such great pride that's amazing does that mean that ivy is on the throne oh yes i i i don't know how much you know and how much you don't know yes here come 
We must go right away to the royal. Have you not seen Ivy? I just, I just got here and I saw the the stall. So you caught me right as I arrived. Excellent. Well, I need to be caught up on everything. Yes, absolutely. Well, in that case, let me take you to the palace. Ivy does, in fact, sit on the throne of the hearth. Though things have changed quite a bit in the last two weeks. Uh, it's a work in progress, but she's sort of changing the system, if you will. So, yes, well, you, you'll see. Come with me. Would you say something? I think you mentioned breaking the wheel. Well, I... Someone, I, someone said that at one point. We we just talked about changing, changing the tradition, and trying to ensure that everyone in the hearth gets a fair shake. Well, that seems reasonable. Absolutely. I mean, minus the women, of course. Um, that's just a joke, right? Sure. Yeah, <laughs> oh we'll God. go with that. <laughs> Bartros, the. What do you want from me? I'm I'm from a different generation, Mace Core. It's okay, we all have learning to do. Some more than others. I, well, I jest, of course. We have a queen, and she is doing a wonderful job, in my opinion, and uh, and that has nothing to do with the fact that I've become the royal executor of all capitalist activities in the town. Well, Fartress, I know you always make a good joke. That's me. They call me Fartros the Joker. Well, show me, show me the way to the, show me the way to the castle. Well, we're here. Oh, good. Oh, wow. Yeah. And he points to the entrance and uh, again, he nods to the guards at the entrance and escorts you inside of the palace. And um, uh, what was the name of the palace? Do we remember? The Royal Temple. That's what it's called. That's easy. And as you walk in, um, you may not. Yeah, you may not have even been in this building before, but it's a large rectangular uh, sandstone building with ornate gold filigree around the outside and in the inside there's smooth stone columns that rise up 30 to 50 feet to the ceiling in various places and uh, it's sort of one large open square chamber with some smaller antechambers off of it including behind the throne uh, where the quarters of the current ruler are and there are several guards posted in this throne room and standing at the front of this throne room you see a massive hulking figure to the left of the throne uh carrying uh wearing armor and carrying a sharp looking spear and it's not other than draxar greenback who was the previous ruler right and to the right of the throne you see a much smaller figure lean and wiry and this one is wearing a set of leather armor but with a very nice ringlet of sort of silver leaf and it's droll the leader of the spitfires who were formerly exiled from the hearth and sitting on the throne is ivy isyrian and she sees you coming and stands up out of her chair with her mouth hanging open for just a moment before she starts walking toward you. Ivy! Wow! I- I'm sorry. Uh, Your Highness, it's very nice to meet see oh, you. Oh, please, Mace Cor, you don't, you don't need to do that. Are you sure? You're the reason that I'm sitting on this throne. You're practically royal to yourself. Cousin, I can't believe you're back. I'm back. Ivy, how, how have you been? How Are you okay after the dust-up? Oh, 
what a dust-up it was. But yes, we are alright, and recovering, and luckily our casualties were few. Now, the, the damage to the town was significant, but with everyone's help, we've put our lives back together in just the last three weeks. Where have you been for the last three weeks? I could tell you all about that. I mean, it feels like a lifetime. Do you want me to explain to her, or should I just, should we, like... No, no. Okay. Um, she listens to the entire podcast and catches <laughs> up, and now she knows what's going on. Now we have more than one listener. <laughs> yeah, yeah, now we have two. Um, one of them is a NPC that I created. Yeah. Um, That's how I... you boost your numbers. <laughs> just create, create viewers. That's the best way to do it. Um, I go on to explain the, quickly give overviews of the last few weeks. That is absolutely ridiculous. I, and, and now you say that the final battle is coming or, or you, you're, it sounds like you're working on a ticking clock here. Is that right? Uh, yeah. And that's, I sure am. And, and Ivy, that's, that's the reason I came That's one of the many reasons I came back, but the most important one, um, you know, I'll just get straight to the point. I know you're a straight shooter, and I've always liked you for that. Uh, I need, I need the Hoth to show up, and, and or else I don't, I don't think the Hoth will be here any longer. Ugh. I can't believe that you're asking us to dive into battle when clearly you brought battle to our doorstep. This is Draxar speaking up. Draxar, uh, nice to see you again. You're standing up this time. That's good to see. Oh, ha, ha, ha. Why don't you stand up, Mace Core? Oh, wait, you already are. You're just tiny. Good one. <laughs> good one. Good one. Well, Draxa, to your point, uh, it would come here regardless of whether I'm here or not. Oh, yeah, I bet. Because that's happened to us so often. Also, you cheated in that fight. Well, how about this? Uh, if you if you help, I'll re- we'll do a rematch. Uh, well, I do like the sound of that, but what what good would that do me? To say that you beat me, you lost in front of everyone before. Don't you want to win in front of everyone? Now, would you boys please kindly stop your bickering? I would like to hear what Mace Corps has to say. Droll Spitfire speaks up, um, and so his. Uh, give me, actually, yeah, Mace Core, give me a quick history check. I want to see how much you remember about him. Um, oh, not much. Ten. <laughs> so, well, with the ten, you just remember him looking real scrappy. And there is definitely something courtly about him now. Um, in a weird way, like, cleaning him up, he suddenly has, like, the posture and, and yeah, he holds himself like like an important person. And he already commanded respect before, but now he doesn't look so much like a rat that climbed out of the desert. Mm. Oh, Droll, it's very good to see you again. Much obliged. Thank you very much. Man, it's like I, I am... never left. Yeah, well, kinda. But as... Why, why don't we... Um, Lady Assyrian, uh, your highness, if I may suggest that we take our recess to the dining room and perhaps we can refresh ourselves while we discuss the goings-on of the hearth and find out what Mr. Macecore here is looking for. Mm, I could eat. Uh, yep, yeah, okay, yes. Uh, let's do just that. Uh, Fartros, could you call down to the kitchen and have them send up 
some of those delicious. Oh God, what did what did Grammy make? Orange slices. She, she uh she didn't didn't she do like pancakes or something? Yeah, too? yeah, pancakes. Guess could you could you call down to the kitchen and have them send up some of their best pancakes and, uh, of course, some of the, the strong cactus ale as well. Ah uh, yes, of course, and I must be getting back to the market, Ivy. But it is as always lovely to see you. And he bows profusely as Fartress backs out of the hall. So, Dresden, you are flying on giant eagle back with Piper on another giant eagle right next to you. You're sort of flying side by side in formation. Piper's looking slightly dejected, um, given some of the like latest developments, particularly Flint abandoning the party. She's taking that pretty hard, you get the sense. And you, uh, I can't remember, did you offer to fly back to the horn with her? Or you just felt like that you could, like, kind of take care of your business I there? I, or... I offered to fly back with her. Okay, that's what I thought. And, uh, yeah, so it's it's sort of a silent flight. And it's only going to be a few hours of flying time. And you're pretty high up and the wind is whipping, so you're not talking. And you don't really feel temperature, so <laughs> you're not feel feeling anything. too much up there. So it's it's, you know, you're fine. Um, but, uh, uh, Piper is like holding on pretty tight to the, the back of the Eagle she's riding and she's like looking in the other direction when suddenly you feel a slight flash of light, uh, out of your right eye and off to the right side of you, you see Rasputin, your faithful, your faithful spectral sidekick and, uh, Rasputin is flying similar pace to your giant eagle, um, which kind of surprises you given the size difference that, that he's able to keep up. Um, and Rasputin flies over and gently lands on your leg, kind of like sitting there beside you now, and turns and looks right at you, looks you right in the face. And uh, he says, Don't freak out, but I think I can talk now. <laughs> bad, I got some bad news for you. I got I got real bad news. Well, hold, We're going the wrong hold way. On. Hold but, hold on. But here, hold I've on. got Rasputin, I've got this you, you got you gotta just look at this for you. I got something for you. I got it for you. This is a lot Here, take this. I'm gonna re I'm gonna I'm gonna stick out my little talon um with a little slip of paper grasped in the talon. Alright, let's take the paper. And then I'm going to turn to, well, keep looking at Rasputin. I'm going to say, how did you, what, how can you talk? You've never been able to talk before. I don't know. I, I, I saw we were going the wrong way. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I got to tell, I got to tell my main man, Drez. I got to tell him we're going the wrong way. What do you mean we're going the wrong way? Do you want me to open this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have it specifically for you. You have to open the paper. You have to open and read it. That's what I was told you got to do. And I assume... Now, don't ask me who did it. I'm not going to tell you. It's a secret from, from Rap. Well, from I'm now, assuming but... it's Marua, but... Okay. How did you know? You got... You're so smart, Dresden. You're so smart. That's the thing I love about you, Dres. You're so... You're so, so smart. I wish I was as smart as I you. Take, I, will unra- I will unravel the paper and read it. Do you know what it says? 
Um, it says roll a d8. Okay. Um, and I rolled a two. Okay. Um, you rolled a two. Maurice Lester goes by no. Oh, that name sounds so familiar. The location reads Eclipse. Okay. I'm guessing, Rasputin, that you... That Madarua wants me to take the life of Maurice Lester. Uh, if I took, if I had an educated guess here, that's what I'd be thinking too. Uh, you know, it looks like Maurice. It looks like Mo is is in for something. If you know what I mean. Well, I'm gonna have to depart from Piper here. All right. So you, Dresden, you received this name slip from Rasputin, who can now talk, and. Can you please make me a history check? That is a 16. So, based on your memory of the layout of Finrodel and some of the major settlements and cities, you know that there is a city that is going to be to almost directly to your south as you're flying that is called Eclipse. So the name is one that you recognize. What do you do with that information? Um, say, Rasputin, this is coming from Matarua. It's a name of a person I have to take care of. I need to make sure that Piper is going to be okay. Uh, so I'll, I'll turn to Piper. Um, and I'll say, uh, Piper, so I'm... So, yeah. well, how, how are you doing? Are you okay? It's a little cold up here, don't you think? I don't really feel temperature, so I I, I wouldn't know. Um, look, some... Great. <laughs> look, something's come up, and I have to go in the opposite direction. Are you going to be okay to get to uh, the horn on your own? Uh... Yeah, I suppose so. I, I'm not steering anyway, so. Right. I'll just ride. I'll just ride. I yes, but I, I'll I'll be all right. Okay. Is everything all right? Oh yeah, just something I have to take care of. Can you bird talk now? I thought I heard someone talking to you over there. Yep. You know that's a surprise for us both. I don't think either one of us expected that to happen. So. Um. Uh, Dresden, he can't. Uh, he, she, I don't know, but they can't hear me, so call them on the bullshit. Oh. Well, well, she has exceptional hearing, so... Well... Are you talking to yourself, it's, it's, Dresden? It's, that's that's a Dres, little weird. It's, it's impossible for him to, for him, her, to hear me, so put, push him off. Just do it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's too mean. That's too mean. You know, I'm, there's jokes. There's jokes here. You know me. Uh, I, I think I liked you when you didn't talk, Rasputin. Um, well, Drez, Drez, I, I th- you're a funny guy. You're a funny guy. I think that's a joke. I'll take that as a joke. You're a funny man. Yeah, so, Piper, I, I'm, I'm going to turn around and go in the opposite direction, okay? But, um, you know, stay, stay safe and try to recruit some people to, to help in the fight that, that, that's coming, Okay. All right, I'll I'll do my best. Good luck with whatever it is that that you've got to do, and I I do hope that I'll I'll see you again someday. Oh, well, perhaps uh at, perhaps at Vulcan Point. Yes, well I I will definitely see you again. This is not goodbye, Piper. It's just 
you know, a temporary see you later. A see you later alligator. That kind of thing. Sure. See ya. We want to be ya. I'm going to try and get the eagle to turn. Okay, yeah, you get you get your pilot's attention pretty easily, and uh, they head off to the south um, after you tell them the, the name of the city where you're headed. Um, and Piper quickly fades from your view as she slips away into the east, headed back toward the horn. And you fly for a few hours, um, and as, as you fly, you can see the landscape underneath you changing from forested to a little bit more of a grasslands, and then eventually into the edge of the desert. And just after you pass out of the uh, areas that have vegetation, rich vegetation, you come to what appears from the sky to just be a giant hole in the ground. But you can see little wisps of smoke coming up for a minute, and... You can see uh, in the dying light of day that... Or actually, what time did you all leave Green Hall? Do we remember? It's been a while. I have no idea. Um, Didn't you arrive back in the morning and then you all like left pretty quickly? Or did you spend a night there? That's a good question. Um, I think we... I think we left in the evening. I don't think we stayed the night. Yeah, so anyways, uh, the light is dying as you reach Eclipse. And you can see some like lights from small fires and uh, the, the smoke from these chimneys rising up against the horizon as the sun sets. And uh, you know that you've arrived. You recognize this town from the air. And you point to an area on the outskirts of town and your giant eagle lands you there. And you hop off and Rasputin is on your shoulder. Uh, so Rasputin, uh, let, let's, let's talk a little bit about Rasputin, um, who has been your animal companion for some time now, who has now gained some form of sentience and communication with you. So the main thing is that it seems like Rasputin has, uh, obviously this direct connection with Matarua in some instances, um, and can't necessarily be seen or heard super well by other people. Um, and so he is a little bit of like a Jiminy Cricket type character for you, um, but also can do some stuff. Um, and you'll sort of figure out what those things are as you go. But just keep in mind, um, both of you, that you're sort of like a, a, a team now okay. um, in, in whatever you're doing. And, and if, if either, uh, well, mostly Hilsey, if you have a question about like, does Rasputin already know this, or does he know something about the situation? You can always ask me, um, and then keep in mind your uh, your character sheet too. You've got a couple cool things you can mm -hmm. do. So, all right. So you land on the outskirts of town. Um, what do you do, Dresden and Rasputin? I'm gonna step off the eagle and give it a little pat and set it free. Uh. And then I'm going to talk to Rasputin. It gives you a wing salute. <laughs> I'm going to say, uh, Rasputin, do you know anything about where this Mo Lester might be? Um, am I allowed to say potentially? Uh, so why don't you, why don't you go ahead and roll a D8 for me, Rasputin? Four. 
Oh, that is perfect. Uh, so, as it turns out, um, Rasputin, you don't necessarily know much, but uh, I guess your your omnipotency that you get from Matarua in certain instances comes into play with these names in that you know something about each of them or you can intuit something about each of them. And so you know that this guy is a, uh, a burglar. You're not sure exactly where to find him, um, but that's, that's the thing you know about mm, him. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, I know a little bit. I mean, Madaru said a little bit that, you know, he's, he's a burglar and he likes to steal stuff. So, you know, that was already, that was already on the list. Uh, sometimes you can be found at the, you know, the local watering hole, you know, the, the bar, the pub. So he likes, he likes going there. He gets a drink. He robs some people. The cycle repeats. I don't know anything else though, but I'll be, I'll be your eyes and ears for sure. Okay. Well, let's, uh, let's head into town and let's see if someone can direct us in the direction of a pub. I, I could use a drink anyways to deal with the fact that you're talking now. What does a drink feel like? I I don't even know what it feels like. Can you tell me a little uh, bit more? It's it it takes it takes all your bad feelings and makes them go away. <laughs> wow! Why don't people do that more often? They do it more than you think. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So give me a yeah. Why don't you each give me a perception check? We'll see what you can ascertain about the part of town that you're in. Uh, that's a 16 for Dresden. 22. Ooh, nice. Uh, so Rasputin, with a 22, you kind of fly up into the sky just a little bit so you can see over a couple of these, like, low buildings. Um, and both of you notice, like, the building type here is very much like adobe, like, sandstone and mud uh, with, like, wooden beams holding it all together. Um, nothing grand, but it's, you know, it's it established. Um, and the part of town that you're on has like some space between the houses, but you can actually see that just up what appears to be a dirt road, a cart path of some sort that you're standing on, there's sort of a convergence of a couple of roads that you see Rasputin. And at the center of those roads, you see uh, a building that looks like it's got more foot traffic coming in and out of it. And your your gut tells you that's probably a local meeting place of some sort. Uh, yo, Drez, uh, there's there's a few roads up ahead, um, and that one seems a little busier, so I think we should go that way. And uh, probably the, the pub is down that way. There's a lot of people, so pubs are where people are. Okay. Let's, uh, let's go in that direction, and we'll... We'll, we'll make our way towards where the crowds of people are. You know, that's a good phrase. Pubs are where the people are. Maybe I should go into some sort of marketing when this is all over, hopefully. You know, Rasputin, hopefully when this is all over, you won't be talking anymore. Well, maybe I'll be a real a real owl after all. That could you be fun. You are a real owl. Well, I'm not. I'm not. I, I want to have a drink with you. You know, I can't, that, I can't do that right now. Okay. <laughs> Maybe, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll give you some of my, my ale. All right. You walk forward and you pass by a few of these 
desert style dwellings and you don't really see too many people at this time uh, it seems like you see some lamp lights from uh, through some of these Adobe windows and you can't really tell exactly um, you know where the population is but you know and the, there's still some sunlight and as you walk up the road though you do start hearing more of a commotion not not a commotion um, but rather like clamoring like there's voices um, there's clearly something happening and then you see uh, Dresden as you round the corner of the last house on the row that there is in fact a building in front of you with a couple of big saloon doors that are swinging back and forth as people come in and out and above it there's a wooden plank sign hanging and swinging in the slight breeze uh, as as the tumbleweeds blow down the road what do you do um can people will like walk through me essentially without them knowing? yes hey I'm walking here Hey, hey, what are they doing all walking through me? They can't hear you or see you, right? I think That's you're the you. only one who, who can. Yeah, so so they, they don't know that you're here. Don't take a personal offense to it. Okay. Oh. This looks like a pub of some kind, right? This looks like it could be good, you know. It seems like where Mo might dwell. Uh, Dresden, why don't you give me a quick investigation of the sign? 23. Wow, you read the shit out of this pub <laughs> sign. It says, it says, the cactus spike. Uh, Rasputin, this says the cactus spike. I'm pretty good at reading. Um, so, I think we're going to start here. And that is just going to be seared into your brain now, because you read it so good. <laughs> cactus spike. Hours of operations <laughs> memorized on the spot. Um, so... Rasputin, we should talk before we go in. I I can't just go in and, or maybe I can. Maybe I, I can just go in and ask if anyone's, if anyone's seen a Mo Lester. Well, wouldn't that make him suspicious? Maybe. Yeah. What about? I mean, I'm trying to I'm trying to help help you help Matarua. I mean, what about going in there all casual and seeing, you know, and maybe asking if there is someone who can steal something for you. Mm-hmm. So he won't he okay. won't be aware that we're trying to get him. Okay. No, it's 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 true. These 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 people like Mo Lester's they can be they can be pretty handsy. So you gotta you gotta really be uh, be careful. Let's uh let let's go in. So we're gonna go into the pack to the Cactus Spike Pub, and we'll step inside. God, what was the historic king's name? Um, that's what I I kind of oh, skipped God. over Drax, because it wasn't a Draxus. It was Drax. I think maybe some. Oh yeah, Draxus. Let's see. I gotta do a control find in my document here. Yes, 